Well, good morning, everybody. Great to be in worship with you. We uh, are doing this mini-series, two weeks long, What Happens After Easter, Living the Life of Hope. And a couple weeks ago, if you were here, I lost my voice. And Tim and I, in the second service, did this. Just impromptu, not the plan. But today, it's the plan. So we're going to talk about hope. And uh, this is also my last week speaking before my sabbatical. So I'm going to be on a 12-week sabbatical, and that about to applaud person, I I don't know how to take that. (laughs) Thank you, I think. (laughs) I'm excited about it, too. (laughs) But... (laughs) I'm less excited. (laughs) What are you sabbatically from? We'll get to that. Yes, yard work, house cleaning, (laughs) taking a sabbatical from all car maintenance. No, no. (laughs) Uh, We're um, talking, though, about hope today and this idea of Christian hope, what happens after Easter. And I think sometimes there's a little bit of confusion with Christian hope. Um, I think sometimes we think that hope is living in this perpetual Easter celebration and um, that it's just hope means, um, falsely I think sometimes we think hope means we are to be happy, clappy, always smiling, Pollyanna people because of Easter. Uh, So today we're going to kind of unbundle and unpack what hope Um, really is, but I think because of Holy Week, and we've talked about this before this past month, um, because of Holy Week, Friday, Good Friday, Saturday, Holy Saturday, Easter, Resurrection Sunday, because of Holy Week, because of Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I think we, um, we have this model now for life, for living, that there are days that are Friday, and Christian hope does not deny that, does not pretend that Good Friday did not exist, does not um, act as if there are not days like Good Friday that are confusing and are full of despair and are full of darkness. Um, And then there are Saturdays where we're waiting and it's that continuation of Friday. And then, of course, there's Easter Sunday. So I think this Friday, Saturday, Sunday gives us kind of a model for life that our days in living with Jesus include Fridays, Saturdays. Um, and Sundays. So what happens after Easter is not constant celebration, but more this picture that uh, we have this model for for living for our days, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Hmm. So back to the sabbatical, what, um, (laughs) where does sabbatical fit in? Is it a Friday activity, a Saturday activity, or is it a Sunday kind of moment? Yet to be determined. I'll (laughs) let you know in like 12 weeks. It, it really, it depends entirely on how many people try to contact me with tr- problems. In the, no, just kidding. <laughs> but um, some of you are like, what is sabbatical? I don't even know what that is. So uh, I just want to say real quickly what it is. Sabbatical is a practice that has, is basically giving pastors, uh, sometimes this happens with professors as well, but giving pastors a season of rest after about seven years of ministry. We are seven and a half years old as a church, and so our elders have decided to give me a season of uh, 12 weeks of rest, of renewal. Sometimes, um, like in my case, there'll be some study and some writing that I will be doing, but I want you to know this is a proactive gift 
that the elders have allowed me to have. In other words, Tim and I are not in the middle of some big marriage crisis. Until this moment of talk. <laughs> yes. After this talk, we'll proceed. <laughs> um, I also do not have any plans to leave Platt Park or my role here as a pastor. Um, this also is not like there's any behind-the-scenes scandal going on and the elders are making Susie go on sabbatical. Uh, this is a proactive gift that the elders are giving our staff members, and I'm just the first one to do it. Um, and it's proactive in the hopes that we will have longevity not only in ministry, but in ministry here. And so um, I'm excited about it. I'm going to do some writing. I'm taking a class with the Soul Care Institute. That's the beginning of a doctorate of ministry program with Fuller. Um, and just re rest and renewal. So um, really grateful for it. But when I'm away, you all are going to get to hear from some amazing teachers. So Howard Baker uh, is, is he here? He's here. He's here somewhere here. Yay. He is, I'm very grateful, um, kicking off the first month of my sabbatical. So for four weeks, he'll be doing a, a message series. Then we're going to hear from other great teachers as well. Susan Stein is going to speak in July. Katie Larson. David Goodman from Entrust. That's our partnership uh, with the church in northern Iraq. Uh, he, he'll be speaking, Tim and Charlie, so uh, you are in for a, just a lot of great teaching while I'm away, and I'm looking forward to just uh, that fresh perspective that comes from stepping away and gaining a new kind of set of eyes for the season that's ahead in ministry. But um, Tim, when I think about the last seven years of ministry, so rich, so many amazing, awesome memories, what are some of your thoughts on just like for you personally or in your role as pastor here, Friday, Saturday, Sunday moments at Platt Park. Yes. Is that a well, good segue? Yeah, it is a good segue. I, it's <laughs> curious. It's interesting to think about Friday, Saturday, Sunday because it's this, actually a connection into reality that life isn't all Sunday and happy and clappy, as you said, that there are things that are hard and difficult and troubles, and that's reality, mm -hmm. and that we aren't separated from God in any of those times or moments, but that's actually the place where we um, practice the faith. Um, so this is kind of good for, I've been thinking about the perspective you gain in those hard times when you know, ah, this isn't unusual. Sunday is the way it's supposed to be, and this is unusual, but instead this is the rhythm of life. Um, and I would like to add actually another layer to the Friday, Saturday, Sunday of um, sacrifice and renewal, um, because I think that fits in, in that and with your sabbatical as well. But this idea of sacrifice and renewal that Jesus modeled in his life and ministry that Jesus would sacrifice in his going out into the crowds to expend energy, to use whatever divine energy, power that God was, the Father was giving to him to, to spend that um, in healing people and teaching and, you know, doing miracles. And he was just followed by the crowds and the masses everywhere he went. So you can just imagine the energy being spent. And I'm not exactly sure how that worked for divine Jesus, but I imagine it was, it was taxing and it took its toll. And then... After that sacrifice time, Jesus would go off on his own into the mountains to pray. You know, just that breaking away from the crowd, taking a break from the sacrifice in order to be renewed with the Father. And just that time of him praying and connecting and receiving from God what he needed for the sacrifice that was the next day or whatever is waiting him. And so in that pattern, I see that same pattern for us of sacrifice and renewal. And that we're all living in that pattern in our own lives. We're expending energy, doing our jobs. Um, with our relationships and the 
intentional ways we're volunteering. We're just, we're expending energy, hopefully, towards the good of this world and God being established here. Um, and yet we need to then come back and be renewed. We need to receive from God in order to do those things. And so this renewal idea comes from um, God telling us who we are. We're just saying, this is who, who you are and this is who I am. And that great picture of renewal that is a reminder of all the things that are true about me mm-hmm. and being renewed in that. And so the renewal is kind of soaking in those truths. You know, so on Easter we know Jesus rose from the dead and the tomb is empty. And what that means is that my sins are forgiven. I've been given the righteousness of Christ. I've been given the Holy Spirit. I've been given a new life. I've been given the ability to choose and to choose to do good and to resist bad. Like, all these things have been given to us. That's the truth. We need to renew in that and just kind of bask in being a child of God in order to then go out and spend the energy that God has given us in the world around us. Um, so that's sacrifice and renewal, and thinking about how Jesus has done that in us in cycles over the past seven years, mm-hmm. huge contrast in my mind just recently thinking about this, that when we started here in this space seven years ago in June, which is amazing we've been here seven years, but when we arrived here, it was all kind of that sacrifice. It was kind of like Friday. <laughs> I don't know, the bad news. It was... Friday, and we're here, and it was rough. and Set up, tear down. Yeah, just <laughs> everything about it was kind of Friday. And it just spoke of sacrifice, you know, just expending energy to keep things going, to push that rock up the hill, right? And really the image of that time of sacrifice is when we were all set up here. And it didn't look like this, but it looked very different. We were all set up, and then we were waiting and asking the question, will anyone come? <laughs> And we were like, and that's that, it's, it, you can feel the sense of sacrifice even in that question, will anyone come? And that in contrast, and so like 65 people did show up, hooray, some of you were here that day, which was awesome. <laughs> and then two weeks ago on Easter, just in stark contrast, the renewal of celebrating Easter together, where there's 650 people gathered, there's excitement, and even in that experience of celebrating Easter is renewal, just the excitement and the energy that's in the room. It's like God is doing something and moving, and it's exciting. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of sacrifice renewal ideas. Yeah, so interesting thing about the sacrifice and renewal and just how when I talk to some of you in different seasons of life, there are definitely times where I'm sitting with someone and they're like, oh, my life and this, and I'm, I'm just listening to their story and where they're at, and I'm thinking, you need some renewal. Like, you can't just run marathon, 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 marathon. You need to, like, let your body have a break. And um, sometimes I think, wow, you need renewal. Other times I think, actually, (laughs) what you need is some sacrifice. Because it's been all coming in, podcasts, books, messages. You're receiving, you're counseling, spiritual directing, life coaching, all these people pouring into you, pouring into you, but there's no out. There's no sacrifice. There's no sort of outflow. So it's like the Dead Sea. All the water's coming in. None of the water's flowing out. So both of those being so, so important, both sacrifice and renewal, it's not all one or all the other, but it's that um, model that Jesus has given us. So good. Yeah. So true. So thinking about Friday, Saturday, Sunday, what in the last seven years has been Friday oh, for you? Yeah. Well, so many moments of just disappointment. Um, you know, I think of just sitting... You know, with people in our faith community in the face of raw loss, um, losing someone they love, 
losing something they care about, losing a job, losing um, a dream, a marriage, a child, all of the seasons of loss, whew, those are Fridays, you know, just confusing, dark. And I would say for me, sometimes people say, what have you learned most about being a pastor? Or what is your, you know, and the main thing is probably just how often I feel completely inadequate the last seven years. I have no idea what to say. There is no roadmap for this. Like what I'm, who I'm sitting with, what they're facing, or what I'm facing, um, I've, I've no, it's not a, um, well, let me give you the best, you know, thoughts I read in this book or the idea, so often feeling complete. I do think um, that when I feel very confident, like this is exactly what I'm supposed to do, that's kind of um, less dependency on God for me. Um, but lots of those kind of moments. I also think another big, um, you know, obviously when you're talking about Good Friday, that's like the ultimate Friday, right? And all of our Fridays are <laughs> lesser than the crucifixion of Jesus. However, um, just in that model of those days that are confusing and dark and don't make sense and we don't see how it's going to end, I think about the loving people here and then letting them go, journey that has been just a part of being a pastor and is, you know, consistently a journey of the heart and Friday moments. I can remember um, several years ago, our worship pastor at the time, Josh Peterson, some of you will remember him. I remember the day he came in my office and just by his body language, I knew he's got something to say. He's got something to tell me. And he comes in my office and eventually he says, the time has come for Kate and I to move back to Minnesota. Ugh. I mean, just this ugh feeling of like, I don't know what we're going to do without them. I really, do. I cannot imagine Platt Park without them. Now, of course, in hindsight, I can look and I can see, wow, God brought us Charlie and Liz, who have been personally so important in our lives, have been a huge piece of what God is doing here and what a gift uh, they have been to our community. But in that moment, I didn't see that. I didn't know that. And you know, it wasn't that I didn't know. I mean, Josh had just graduated from Denver Seminary. We knew they were not going to be here forever. Um, it was not like that was a surprise. But in that moment, it was still a shock. And it was still that journey of having loved and connected and served together and then saying goodbye and letting go. And that, I mean, that's just one example of many of those that have been um, hard. And uh, those uh, Friday moments of the last seven years. What about for you? What are some Friday kind of moments for you? Yeah, I think the same about the relationships and all the things that come in the context of relationships and people and the bad news and that punch in the gut that takes the air out of you and you're just left just gasping. And um, there's lots of those. Um, but just in particular thinking about the most infuriating moment here in this context when my blood actually did boil um, <laughs> was when we were building out the kids' wing, which is now also the preschool, and we were bumping up into this um, fire department permit. We're trying to get it permitted and you know, adjust this old building into this thing. And essentially, the fire department was like, well, just tear that wing down and build a new one. And, you know, and we're just, yeah. that's how it felt, and it was, in, it was infuriating. It's like, we have gotten in way over our head, and this is impossible. We cannot do this. And there were some great and faithful people who pushed through, and we got it done, obviously. Um, but I just remember one blood-boiling moment in that, and I 
reflect back on that now um, as those Friday moments mm -hmm. and in perspective, because now it's all happened and it's done. Mm -hmm. And I can remember, okay, we hit hard times before and we made it through. Mm -hmm. And that gives me perspective that Friday's gonna happen and we're gonna make it through. And Saturday might be a long time and you may never see the end of Saturday in this lifetime, mm -hmm. but God is faithful. We can continue walking with him in that. And just the verse of Jesus saying in John 16, um, in this world you will have trouble. Mm -hmm. That's a promise. In this world you will have trouble. You will have Friday, you'll have Saturday, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Mm -hmm. And that just encouragement and now just the growth of, okay, we've made it through some things and gaining kind of momentum. Mm -hmm. So that's Friday. So good. Yeah, so true. Let's, let's leave Friday. Let's move on to the, you know, <laughs> waiting Saturday. <laughs> waiting Any Saturday. Saturdays in your last seven years? Oh, well, yes, definitely. I, I mean, I think of Saturday as such a strange day because really it's a continuation of Friday, right? The resurrection has not, we don't know how this is going to end. And um, it just, it does remind me, a long time ago, Gary Ehrenhold gave a sermon here and he talked about how everybody ought to have an I used to think list, and I used to think list, a list of things that you used to think that you have changed your thinking on. And um, I just think about how Saturdays sometimes create those because the certainty I had before Friday and Saturday came kind of crumble and new truths, like the, the, um, the new realities, the things I didn't know about God and his character, me and my... Um, resiliency or whatever it may be, the community and its love, those sort of rise during Friday and Saturday sometimes. And um, for me, you know, just vision for ministries, many of you know I was born into a family very far from God. Uh, my parents were not followers of Jesus at all. Um, but when I was about like first grade, my dad, he's he was 40 years old at the time, he just had a major life transformation. Uh, God just got a hold of his life. He started following God in the way of Jesus. He did. His life just took a total 180. So as a kid, I, um, I just had a front row seat to the power of the gospel, the, the power of Jesus to transform a human life. And it was my dad's. It was really positive. And um, our family got connected with a faith community walking distance from our house. And um, that church just, you know, it became, for me, this kind of second home. I mean, Sunday school teachers, youth leaders, friendship circle, all of these different um, people. And I think even as a little kid, the seeds for what we're doing here were being planted in my heart. Because seeing Jesus transform a human life like he did my dad's at that young age, seeing the power of a faith community when a faith community is working right, it just planted in my heart and in my mind this uh, desire to be a part of in some way, shape, or form. And I didn't know what that would look like, of course, but just whatever I do with my life, I want that to be a piece of it. I want to have a community of faith that I call home where we show up and nobody's perfect, you know, but everybody's welcome there. And anything because of Jesus is possible in that context, and transformational stories are happening. And um, so I was planting those seeds early on. But I think intermixed with those seeds, and that, that vision still compels me, it still inspires me, um, but intermixed with that was this idea that, and that's always going to be amazing. And now as 
kind of walking through years of ministry, I think um, the, the Saturdays of just the sheer sort of grunt work of building a faith community, you know, that it's not all Easter Sunday moments. Some of it is building maintenance and, you know, administrative tasks and scheduling meetings. And um, some of it is just that. I, I think of that quote somebody once said, everybody wants to change the world. Nobody wants to do the dishes. So just doing the dishes of uh, being a pastor, doing the roll-up-your-sleeves grunt work side of it is kind of one of those areas where what I used to think was being a pastor looked like this and what I think now is, is different. Um, Sunday moments, I think, give us inspiration and fill us with joy, but Saturdays are what make us deep and nuanced and strong. Um, to me... To borrow Eugene Peterson's phrase, a long obedience in the same direction, that's Saturday. To me, that's Saturday. It's a long obedience in the same direction. And uh, some of you, I mean, you think about if you've ever done a road trip across America. We all want to live in Summit County on the mountaintops, but there's a piece of geography called the Badlands, which is essentially boring and rugged and tough and the only thing for many, many, many hundreds of miles is wall drug. That's the, the Badlands, right? That's some of life. That's Saturday to me. What about you? Thoughts on Saturday? I actually want to go back to the sabbatical and <laughs> doing the dishes. Is that? Yes. You're taking I'm a break from that? Taking a sabbatical Literally. doing the dishes, yes. No. <laughs> well... Yes, I, you know, that is a great, Gary's, you know, I used to think, and I used to think I knew it all. You know, there was a time you think you know, you get introduced to the concept for the first time, or you have this idea, and you know it all, and you understand it, and that is a used-to-know-it-all thing. Um, but, you know, a couple of weeks ago at Easter, you showed that video clip of Peter and John running to the empty tomb, and the narrator talking about that, and I see that more like faith these days of the falling away from Jesus and then coming back. Mm -hmm. And that that is also a part of the cycle that happens where Peter's running back to the tomb and who knows what he was processing, the guilt, the shame, embarrassment, mm -hmm. whatever he was processing, he was, he had fallen away. He had literally said, I don't even know that guy. Mm -hmm. And now he is once again coming back and he's running to him, back to Jesus and back to God and that image. And for us, that cycle of falling away and coming back, falling away, coming back, it's the Israel example throughout the Old Testament of them falling away from God and then coming back. And so for us, that same, kind of like Eugene Peterson, but I think a different phrase that I often think about is that the practice of the faith is staying with the faithful practices over time, and there's an accumulation effect. Totally. You know, that accumulation that happens through all those small little things building up over time. Hmm. And... In contrast to that, I think over the years I've heard people say when I'm recruiting for a class or a small group, somebody will say, oh, yes, I, I took a class on spiritual gifts once, and I've got that. And that kind of I know it all. Mm -hmm. I, I took a class, and I had that attitude, I'm sure, quite a bit. Um, but in contrast to now, seven years later from just this marker in time, feeling like, boy, I know a slice. I know a sliver, and there's so much more to know. And in particular, we've done premarital class for 10 years, 10 plus years, and we've taught it 15 or 20 times. Yeah. And there's something in teaching that class over and over 
that every time we as a relationship get something out of it yeah, and grow sure. and renew in that and learn more and kind of get more and more and more, taking premarital class totally. like 20 times. And that <laughs> is an example to me of there's always more. And to stay in the practice of it, sometimes you're falling away from God, sometimes you're coming back to him. But to stay in the practice and that maturity that happens of, you know, actually, I don't know it all. Mm-hmm. I know a sliver and there's more to know. Mm-hmm. So good. We were just hanging out with some friends who were in our very first premarital class. They kind of got us to do the premarital class. And um, they said, yeah, I mean, they've been married, is it 10 years, did they say? And they said, we just last week went back to one of the skills we learned in premarital. And they said that, he said, I think we should sit and hold hands and look at each other like Tim and Susie said, you know, in premarital class. And the woman was like, seriously, are we really going to do that? (laughs) They did, though, you know, kind of that back to the basics. And I think it is that way with God, too, where there's this um, experience I have with God. And then it's like this spiral that I keep coming back to, God's love for me, but it keeps spiraling deeper and deeper into my life into my heart, into my mind. Um, yeah, I think of ministry of presence. That's mm-hmm. kind of, I'm going off yeah. topic. You go. Um, but ministry <laughs> of presence, right? We're not offering information and all the things. We're offering ourselves. Mm-hmm. In the sacrifice that Jesus offered, he was offering himself. Mm-hmm. And he was coming alongside people right where they're at and just was present with them. Mm-hmm. And that is a beautiful place for God to, to connect and intervene and in. It's so much more vulnerable than... I got something for mm-hmm. you that's, yeah. you know. Here's the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's leave Friday and Saturday behind. Let's move to Sunday. Do you have some Sunday experiences to end us with and lift our spirits? <laughs> Definitely, yes. I think personally, I mean, over the last seven years, obviously, personally, birth of Russell, adoption of Lila, personal Sundays uh, in my life. And then I think in this faith community, there have been so many Sunday moments. I mean, the dedication of babies, the baptisms that have happened, the weddings that we have done, the, uh, just the amazing small group moments and stories, the, the people who have come to faith in Christ here, the people who have taken risks in following God's Holy Spirit into unknown and vulnerable and uncertain places. Uh, so many sort of Sunday moments. I definitely... Um, Just one thing that happens here is on big days, Christmas Eve, Easter, um, you know, this place will be filled with people, we'll go through the whatever number of services we have, and then like Christmas Eve, everyone will leave. Usually, it's like Tim and I, maybe Charlie and Liz, you know, just not many people, um, and we'll just look across this room. And it will be like a holy disaster zone in here. I mean, just programs everywhere and coffee cups and just, I mean, just stuff everywhere. Um, But in those moments after those big days, there's definitely this, my heart is so full and I'm just so grateful to be a part of what God is doing here in our midst. And um, so that is a kind of a, a regular, those big days and sort of the aftermath um, connection that happens in this space with whatever staff and key volunteers are lingering at the end. Um, another example of a Sunday moment for me um, came in Guatemala a few years ago. I um, went a couple different times, led that team, and uh, one year the Katowskis, the family, the Katowskis, um, two kids, Will and uh, Kate, were on the trip. And I remember we went into the village as a team, and these two kids, Will and Kate, they were like six and I think eight at the time, and we walked into the village, and they 
I mean, it was like they were movie stars. These Guatemalan kids just flocked to the kids on our team, and they just swarmed them, and uh, the rest of us were like chopped liver, you know, whatever. But the kids were just famous, and all the other Guatemalan kids were surrounding them. But I remember that first night coming back, and Will said to his mom, Mom, I noticed that there was a boy, a Mayan boy in the village. He had darker skin who was being excluded. He was being bullied. He was not um, being treated fairly when we were all playing games. And his name was Johnny. And Will said to his mom, he said, that's not right. That's not right that they're treating him that way, Mom. And then he said, and I'm a gringo, and I get respect here, so I'm going to do something about that. <laughs> and he, sure enough, the next day we go back, he's just like totally buddies with Johnny. He's like, you know, won't let Johnny leave his side. He's like, hey, I'm not playing with you unless we're, you know, me and Johnny, we're together, and, you know, just playing together. It was just this picture to me of like, ah, oh, you know, even as a little kid, he got the fact that there was something he had that he could either use to his own advantage or he could lay down for the sake of others. It was this picture to me of a child understanding power when power is for flourishing, that he could have just used that to his own advantage, and you know, he's more popular, he's the American kid, and they're all excited that he's there, and, but instead he chose to lay down that, and on behalf of this little boy, Johnny, very cool um, sort of moment on a mission trip. What about you? Yes, again, so many Sunday things to celebrate. And um, most of them I think about as this accumulation over time, the transformation of people's lives and thinking about people seven years ago or however many and today and the difference that is there. Um, one example is that one of you um, on Easter Sunday outside came up to me and said, uh, two years ago, um, it's my first day and just thinking about the story where that was in his life in that Friday compared to two years later, what God has done. And it's not, it's not over, you know, but just that mark of transformation that's happened in his particular life and in so many stories, um, you know, that God is at work. And I think I'm more convinced today than I was seven years ago that God is at work in people's lives to mold us, to shape us, to grow us into people who are more like Christ. And that is just the power of the gospel and the transformation that happens. Whew. So, um, Sunday, good day. Hopefully your sabbatical will be a Sunday. Um, what image are you carrying with you into this sabbatical time? And, you know, just for us all to be thinking about our own sacrifice renewal cycles, what, um, what image can we carry with us as well? Yeah. So one other story from Guatemala, different team, um, that has stuck with me, you know, Tim said a minute ago, but I think when I look at sabbatical, but really just the season, just the rhythms of sacrifice and renewal that I hope we all embrace, um, I think the heart of renewal is finding a way to let the reality of our belovedness as God's children sink into the fiber of our being so that when we turn around and sacrifice and serve, it is coming from that place of fullness because there has been that season or that rhythm of renewal. Um, renewal really happens when we know 
um, not just in an abstract way, but really know experientially that we are God's beloved, precious in his eyes. And the image I'm taking with me into sabbatical, and I hope you will take with you as you think about your seasons of sacrifice and renewal, um, is that we, on this other team, there was a different family, the Rose, and they had two children also. And one of their kids was 10-year-old Henry at the time. And um, we served together the whole week. And at the last day there in Guatemala, we gathered around dinner, around this big dinner table, and we did something that I do periodically with groups. It's a little bit hokey, but it's just called Flowers for the Living. So Flowers for the Living, the concept is people die, and we go to their funerals, and we bring flowers, and we say words of affirmation, and we say what we really admire about the person, but they're no longer there. So why not say those words while we are living, Flowers for the Living? So um, we're in Guatemala. We're doing Flowers for the Living, which is essentially one person's on the hot seat kind of thing, and everybody else goes around and just says what they appreciate, admire, respect about that person. And the person in the hot seat, the only thing they can say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And so we all went around and did this. And 10-year-old Henry, it was his turn, and I never, as long as I live, I'm gonna, never going to forget this. He's sitting there, and we all start sharing with him what we just love about him. And he has the biggest grin on his face. I mean, he is just smiling from ear to ear. People are saying... Henry, I love how you got out there and worked so hard. And he's like, thank you, thank you. And he's just taking it all in. And his dad waited till the last, and uh, he was the last person to speak. And I will never forget, his dad just like leans across the table and locks eyes with his 10-year-old son. And he says, Henry, you know I have high expectations for you. And I'm hard on you sometimes. I ride you hard. And then he said, but as your dad, I could not be prouder of you. And when Matt, his dad, said that, Henry's little head just falls, and he just starts weeping. And all the rest of us are misty-eyed. And to me, in that moment, it was this picture of what renewal does. You know, it just fills you. It just lifts you. And it's what we all need, not just from each other, but most importantly from God. We need to know, not in an abstract way, but in a personal way, that you are God's beloved, precious in his eyes. That he is proud of you. Just like Jesus heard those words from the Father, we need to hear those words. And that's what renewal is about. It's about stepping back and remembering our belovedness and letting that truth just spiral deeper and deeper into our lives. So I'm taking that image with me. And as you think about sacrifice and renewal in your lives, I hope you'll take that image with you too. Nice. Well, thank you. Thank you. Let's pray <laughs> and send you off into your sabbatical. Thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time and just the reminder of Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and that there are these seasons and times in life, and God, that we walk through each of those days with you, that you never leave us, never forsake us, never leave us alone in that. But God, I pray that in any place we're in, that we keep our eyes fixed on you and moving toward you in that. I pray for Susie as she goes, that you would bless her and renew her and bring her back to us with energy from you to pour out in a new way. Pray this in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.